All right, today, let me just jump right in and give you some stuff that I think will help you out, not only now, but for the rest of your life. Uh, It's called The Making of a Leader. And I want to just do the first of The Making of a Leader because there's a lot of different things that take place to make a leader, not just one, but many. And and I began to think the other week, when I sat down and began to prepare that message, I thought, okay, when I go back in my mind, what is it that made me first want to get on a leadership journey? What, What was it that... If I processed that, was the first thing that triggered me to do that. And I got to thinking about uh, the prices that I'd have to pay, the cost it would be. If you wanted to be a leader, what's the difference you're going to have? And so uh, wh- I, my question was, what did I need to know and do to begin personal growth? What was it in my mind that I had to decide I've got to know and do if I'm going to grow in my life? Because I used to wonder as, as a young boy, raised up around different parents and people around me, and I would see two people with the same background, same opportunity, but one would just thrive and the other wouldn't. And I used to always wonder, what made the difference? uh, What is it that made this person take an opportunity and grow, and this one take an opportunity and blow it? And so even as a young person, I would study that when when there wasn't anything to study. Then when I found out there were books like Leadership and people that taught it, I just began to get on that because I said, there's some little something that makes the difference between good and great. And so when I looked at it, in my mind, here's a couple of things I saw. One was the intentional steps to personal growth was a mental adjustment. It all started in my mind. I had to stop and embrace some thinking that I did not have before. And I do believe that most of our problems are between our ears, It's if we can see it and believe it and accept it, we're fine. But if we can't, you can live where you were forever. In in the in the story of uh, in the Bible of the slaves there of of uh, Israel, when when they'd been in slavery now for all these years, and then they got out and were freed. Did you know in their mind they still thought they were slaves? They still acted like they were slaves. They still never embraced everything out there, the freedom, because in their mind, they had always been in this, that environment, just conditioned that way. And, and it took a long time to get that out. It's like a friend I met years ago. He'd been a prisoner of war in Vietnam. And when he was let go, his wife said, he's more of a prisoner today, 10 years later, than he was when he was there. And what she was saying is his mind never embraced where he was. And I realized the difference between leaders and followers often is it's a mindset. It's the way they think. It's how they look at something and they say, I can find a way to get out of this. I will survive. There's got to be a way. They don't fold. They don't, they don't run. They look at something and say, what do I do to change? Now, the mental adjustment I had to make, just a simple thing, uh, the first one I had to do is I had to accept the fact that there's a price to pay, a cost to pay for personal growth. I had to realize there's a price, and there's a price for everything, by the way, but there's a price to pay. And, and it's kind of like people would ask me sometimes, they'd say, Brother Bill, all of your life, whatever you've touched, it's always grown, whether it's BPL or whether it's a church or whatever. And they say, does it ever stop growing? And the answer is yes. It always stops growing when I stop growing. If I go for months without really getting involved or intentional or reading or passionate about, guess what? It stops. Everything grows when you grow. It, it's, it starts with you. And so 
When I embraced the fact I got to pay a price, then I started saying, what's the price going to be? Well, there's three things right off the bat. Time. Uh, you, can, you can take, by the way, time is more important than anything you've got. Time is more important than money. Uh, time is right up there with health. Those two are about the most important things you have. You, uh, you can waste time or invest time. And your time is like a dollar bill. You can spend it any way you want, but you can't spend it but once. So you want to make certain that what I do with my time is I use it wisely to help me. So to grow, uh, time is one thing it's going to cost me. Another, obviously, is money. It's going to cost money. I used to teach my children this when they were younger, and Britt caught it faster than any of them. But I would say, listen, you can work and cut grass and do all this stuff, and you can make five bucks. Now, you can take that five bucks and you go to McDonald's and you can get you a sandwich and even a little toy. Uh, Or you can take that five bucks and put it aside. And you decide what you want to do. And he caught it quicker than the other kids that I can invest it, I can save it. So why would I spend money for a hamburger? And he wouldn't do it. He literally would never buy lunch at school. He would ask his mother, if I work, can I get the money that you would have given me? And then take my lunch. So he basically would take his lunch from the time he was a child. And early on, he was buying stock when he was 9 or 10 years old, just learning how to buy stock. By the time he was 16, he bought his first car and paid for his house three years after him and his wife were married. And, and literally, we would look at Brent and laugh. We'd say, he can squeeze a buffalo nickel till he burps. He knows. He, 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 when he came to Cascade Hills, literally 40 year, 30 years I'd been there, we had this place worth $40 million, but we had a $7 million debt on it. Brent was there two years, and we had no debt. And you know why? Because he kept saying, we're not going to go into debt. I remember one time I had to explain he wasn't mentally handicapped because we were in a board meeting with a bunch of lawyers and bankers and we were going around the room and they kept saying, and we'll do this, we'll do that. And every time he'd come to Brent, Brent would say, we're not going to borrow no money. And they'd say, okay, and they'd go to the next guy, well, we're going to build so-and-so. And then he'd come back around, Brent, he'd go, we're not going to borrow no money. And after a while, I got to tell him he's not mentally handicapped, okay? It's not the only thing he can't say. But he's in a room with a bunch of people that are used to spending money, and he's just trying to remind everybody, we can do all the dreaming we want. We're not going to borrow no money. You know? and, and so he learned those things about investing of money rather than just spending or wasting it. Same thing is true in relationships. There's a price to pay to grow, and you may not take everybody that starts on the journey. Change. Not everybody you started with, you'll finish with, but that's Okay. Love them, God bless them, but don't live your life waiting on them to give you approval before you do what your dream is. Do what's in your heart. Go after what you're wired for. And so to, pro, to grow, it meant intentionally saying, I got to break out of the pack. I got to be willing to do what's best for me. I want to pay a price now that I'll look back later and not regret. And, and by the way, when I know about that, I'll tell you this. Great leaders don't just show up. They grew up long before they showed up. When you see a great leader, they were, they were taking the long route. They didn't get there quickly if they're lasting and making an impression. And, and maybe they did a mundane job. Maybe they did a boring assignment. Maybe it was routine. But the bottom line was, is underneath all that, they were growing. Now, let me tell you what growing is. We call it palace training sometimes. We talk about Moses you know, God wanted to raise up Moses, and so to, to be able to lead three million Jews, what he did was he took Moses from his home, put him in Pharaoh's home. What better way to learn leadership than to grow up in the house of the biggest leader of that day? So he was raised watching one-on-one the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, do leadership. 
Then Moses is later brought into a role where he has to lead. But he's already gone through what we call palace training. He's already been there in that job to be prepared for the next job. Joseph did the same thing. Remember Joseph who was hated by his brothers and all the rest and been betrayed? He knew all of that. Joseph now went through that situation where he was taken away from his family, put over in Egypt. Then Joseph becomes the leader there. He actually teaches us a great lesson on forgiveness to those that hurt you. He turns to his own brothers when he has the power and chooses to help them rather than hurt them. Instead of holding a grudge, he forgave them. But God used his distance and 17 years away and time in prison as palace training. I'll give you another one that's like that. David's like that. If anybody, David got his palace training by being a shepherd, being out and alone in the fields at night. But God would use him to be the greatest king ever. Now, I, I say that to you and then come back to bring out this. Where you are now in your job and what you're doing right now, there are tools you're going to learn now for what you're going to use later. So don't despise the little things. Don't get aggravated at every little problem you got on this job. Because you're going to get the same problem on another job. But you'll get to learn to solve it on this job so that when you get to that job, they'll just think you're Wonder Woman or Superman. They'll say, aren't you awesome? Well, they didn't know when nobody was saying you're awesome and you were doing the dirty work over here. That was where you was learning to solve the problems that you got paid for over there. So the secret is learning in your palace training to be good where you are and you'll be better where you're going. Now, David's in a field tending sheep. Nobody knows his name. He's not respected by anybody. He's got a dull, dirty job. It's a dead-end job. Nobody grows up and says, I want to be a shepherd. Uh, Shepherds were not even allowed to testify in a courtroom because they thought they were liars. Shepherds didn't have any respect from anybody David starts at the very, very, very bottom of all. His own brothers look at him and say, what are you doing here? You know, when he comes up to bring bread and and cheese for them at the battlefield. David has no respect from anybody. His own father doesn't recognize him. But God starts him off in that place. Now, what it tells me is this. Every role, every assignment that you're in is meant to teach you something for the next assignment. And there's a purpose in it. We always talk about, you know, take this job and shove it. I did a message one time called take this job and love it. Just love it. Whatever you do. If you're making hamburgers at McDonald's, make it the best hamburger ever. And tell them, if you walk in this door, you think that's good, wait till my next one comes out. And always be looking at how can I get better regardless of what's around me. Now, what he learned in that job, let me give you a couple things. Uh, He'd be a better king because he'd been a shepherd. Um, He'd be a better king, a greater king, because he'd been comfortable being alone. Now, let me look at those two for a moment. If you can lead sheep, you can lead people. You ever notice this? Uh, We have trained, uh, we have circuses circuses where you have trained uh, lions and bears and and all kind of trained animals. You can train a cobra, you know, to dance. You can train all those. You can't train a sheep. You know why sheep are considered dumb? They forget real easy. Sheep will be walking, grazing, and they will just walk off a cliff. The shepherd had one rod. He had a rod that used for two things. One is to hook them so they don't go off the cliff. The other is to poke them so they get moving. Sheep are not considered smart. Nobody says, hey, I'm going to go buy a pet sheep. I'm going to teach my sheep all this stuff. Yet God says, I'm going to take David and let you be raised growing sheep, raising the most stubborn animals. But when you get to be a king and you've got to put up with stubborn people, you've already been there. 
You don't have to worry about it. You know what it's like to put up with the most hard-hearted, rebellious, unteachable because you've been doing it for years with a bunch of sheep. So he taught him those things early on as a shepherd. Now, uh, that, that's basically saying your dead-end job is not really dead-end, David. You think I'm over here taking care of sheep, nobody knows me. God sees you there. Now, as a shepherd, he's going to learn a lot of things. He'll learn patience. He'll learn to look ahead. He'll learn vision as a shepherd because he's got to look and see where the cliffs are. He's got to see where the danger spots are. He's got to take care of all those sheep that aren't watching over themselves. So he'll learn to be discerning. He's also going to learn to be alert to danger and to see possible potential dangerous places. All of that's going to make him a better leader. Second thing he's going to learn to do that's interesting as a leader. This is something that I had to... uh, I had to get comfortable with, and I, and I got very comfortable with it probably 10 years into leading, and it, didn't, and it took a while, but David had to learn not only how to, how to you know, lead shepherds and the sheep and, and learn all those qualities that a shepherd would know, but he had to learn how to be comfortable being alone, and that's something that in this day and time, we don't look at or observe much, but, but I want to tell you, the best leaders are people that know how to be alone. There's something, in fact, I read a book one time, and it was on common denominators of the greatest leaders. And the two common denominators that the top leaders had were, number one, they had a long time where they could stop and think. And number two, they were all common in focus. One thing great leaders have is the ability to focus. Uh, And so when you think about being alone, you think about this. David's going to spend many nights out in the field alone. He has no family around. He's out in the field with nothing but a bunch of sheep. And David's out there having to learn how to embrace being alone. But learning how to do that is going to help you because when you get to be a leader, you know one of the things that leadership deals with is loneliness. Those of you that are already leading, you're going to make decisions sometimes that's going to upset everybody. You know you're going to make a decision that's going to make everybody uncomfortable. You know you're going to make decisions that sometimes when you say it, it's just going to be, you know, it's going to be tense and, and some tension there. But being a leader means you got to do it. So the alone time helps you to learn yourself. It helps you to learn your strengths, your weaknesses. It helps you to hear God's voice better. And so the fact is, is that he learns those things because when you learn to be alone, here's what happens. You can be a better and stronger leader. Um, Strong leaders know how to stand alone when nobody else stands with them. Strong leaders know how to stand alone even when they're opposed. You know, when they just basically you know, are not liked. I remember one time as a, as, as a pastor, I had 300 people get up one Sunday morning and walk out in the middle of a service. I mean, I, they were mad at me and they wanted me to leave. And that was when the church was about four to 500. And so there was a, there's a bunch of them just came to me privately and said, we want you, we want you to resign. We don't like the way it's growing. And I said, I'm not going to do that. God called me. And when he tells me to leave, I'll leave. And they said, well, we want you to resign. I said, here's the problem. You wanted me in a back room to resign with you when the people out there don't get a voice voice or vote. And I said, now, I'll be glad to. Sunday morning, I'll stand in front of all of them and say, y'all want me to leave? And if they do, I'll I'll go. But if they don't want me to, I'm not going to let seven men in a private room tell me to. And so they didn't like that. Well, I get up next morning, a bunch of folks left. And now, I can tell you this. I thank God that he had helped me enough that when they got up and left, I first thought at the music guy, they didn't like your song. You know, they're mad at you. Uh, it didn't dawn on me, no, they're mad at me. And then it dawned on me, oh, they're mad at me. Now, here's what I've learned, though. I've learned that leading means being alone sometime. But it's hard to beat somebody when you know you're right. When you know you're right, you can sleep easy. 
When you know you're right, it don't matter if everybody says you're not. When you know you're right, there's a whole lot of peace in that. Leaders, real leaders, have the ability to stand alone when nobody else stands with them. And then later others say, oh, you did it now, understand. But you got to be willing to do it even when nobody else does it. So David's going to learn it. Now, here's what David's going to learn also out there in the field. While he's alone, he's going to practice. He's not going to waste his time. He's going to practice two things. He's going to practice, number one, being what's called a slinger. Now, when he's a slinger, it means this. Uh, he's going to... He's going to be in a position where he learns how to practice slinging a rock at 150 miles an hour that can go 40 yards and he can hit something the size of a bird. Do you understand how expert that is? And yet here's a guy who has nothing to do, no friends, no family. So all he's doing is playing with that sling day in and day out. And he'll hit and trim the bark off trees, and he'll knock leaves off trees, and he'll set up targets. But he does it all the time, not knowing one day the little boy who's out here using that to keep the sheep in line and scare away some animals is one day going to kill the giant that the whole nation's afraid of. And he's going to be so good, the guy's guarded with all of his armor, he's going to hit him right between the eyes, the only spot unguarded, and drop him there that day. And little David, that nobody knew his name, is going to become the savior of Israel and the hero of the day, and every mama names her baby boy David after that. All because he stood out there by himself slinging that. What he's doing when nobody's watching puts him at greatness. Something else is going to happen. While he's out there in those woods, he's going to learn how to play music. He's going to write music. He's going to sing music. He's going to play an instrument. One day, the king is going to say, do you know anybody who can play music? And there's going to be somebody that says, yes, there's a boy I've heard of. He has an excellent skill in playing music. He'll use the term. He has an excellent skill. And they're going to bring David up in front of him. And the king's going to look at David and listen to him play. He's going to say, you're right. He is excellent. He's outstanding. He could do a concert. He becomes the king's favorite musician, moves into the palace, and that's where he gets another start. Now, here's what's crazy. Every job David's in, David's just doing, practicing his slinging, practicing his music, but God uses what he's learning there to bring him where he's going there. I say that to you for this reason. Today, some of you are going to go to your job and you're going to say, what do I do all day long? I do like David. Same old boring job. Sing and sling. Sing and sling all day long. That's all I do is sling and sling. Listen to sheep all night. But you keep doing what you're doing well where you are. You be good where you are. And there'll come a time that those very things will bring you before the king. You know, the Bible says a man's gift set him before kings. Grow right where you are. Don't despise the day of small things. I'll give you this in closing. Jared Streben, who is the CEO of, uh, of Easy Post, made this statement that I cut out the other day on a flight. I, I saw it in a magazine. Here's what he says. My hero growing up was Cal, Rap, uh, Cal Rapkin, uh, Ripken Jr. Because no matter what, he always showed up to work. That was his quality. In my experience... The best avenue for personal growth is just showing up and being present at work every day. And so my goal for you today is this. Understand, the first step in making a leader is gain all you can from where you are, grow all you can where you are, learn all you can, good and bad, 
And I've always said it this way, if you do what you can with what you have where you are, God won't leave you where you are. Well, I hope you enjoyed this BP Leadership lesson. To hear more lessons from Bill, make sure you check us out on our website, bpleadership.com, as well as check out the BP Leadership podcast on all major podcasting platforms. This is where real leaders are made.